0: a high fly ball, deep center field, it is gone, home run, and a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flipping Bats. It is Friday. We got a good one for you today. Shannon Dreyer, insider for the Seattle Mariners, is about to join me here in just a few minutes. We're going to talk a lot about Julio Rodriguez because I'm wearing his shirt, He's rolling. He could go 30-30 this year. He could go 40-40 at some point in his career. So I'm going to talk to her about him. But this Mariners team is rolling right now. They've won 12 of their last 15. They're just a few games out of a wild card spot. So I'm excited to talk to her, talk about the injuries that they've gone through, when they're going to come back, what Jerry DePoto is going to do at the trade deadline. We'll hear from her what she thinks in just a second. So let's welcome her in now, Shannon Dreyer shannon thank you so much for joining me no problem so where i want to start with here i'm rocking the shirt as you can see the j-rod show things are turning around in seattle won 12 of their last 15 games which is best in baseball in that stretch what what's been the difference in this last 15 games what has been the difference maker for the seattle mariners of late
1: well, there's been a lot that's happened in the last 15 games, and if you don't know anything about them, basically all of their star offensive players have been out, uh, some for a long time and just some in this stretch, be it by injury with Mitch Hanniger, Kyle Lewis, Taylor Trammell, who had been contributing, and then you've had suspensions as well from the brawl in Anaheim. Uh, they were without J.P. Crawford for four games, now without Jesse Winker, they will lose J. Rod for a couple of games or a game uh, in about five days, but uh, the pitching has just absolutely the starting pitching in particular has held up and they have been lights out. They had a I believe it is a um, season high in Major League Baseball where they had 24 straight outings where the starters all surrendered uh, three runs for fewer. And the one day that they had off, they bounced back from that. So that is something that has been big for them. But I would say over the last week, we've actually seen the offense start to show up. And Julio Rodriguez has done his part. Cal Raleigh has come on strong. Carlos Santana, who was a part yeah. of the, the player, has contributed. Um so it's just been a little bit of everything from the offense, which I think has been a big difference maker for them of late.
0: You mentioned some of those guys, uh you, you mentioned some of the injuries and Ty France is now back, back in the lineup, but Mitch Hanniger, Kyle Lewis, what's an in- injury update on those guys? How close are they to returning?
1: Well, this morning at our flagship station, Jerry DePoto gave an update and said that Haniger probably toward the end of July, he of course is coming back from the high ankle sprain. We have seen him out in the field. He's taken some batting practice, but he hasn't been able to run at full speed as of yet. And then he's going to need a lengthy uh, type of rehab assignment because he just really hasn't played much yeah. in the last two and a half months. Kyle Lewis coming back from the concussion, you know, initially had he come back and they hadn't made some of the changes and some of the acquisitions, he would have that DH spot open to him. It's not open now. So he needs to be able to play in the field. So he's on a rehab assignment. He is going to need to have a longer stretch to make sure that he can get out in the field a couple of days a week. So I would say we're probably I would think maybe a week to 10 days away from him at the soonest.
0: You mentioned when I asked about the turnaround and why they're playing so much better, you mentioned the pitching staff. The pitching staff this year really has been good, and they're the only team in baseball with five or more pitchers to have five or more quality starts. What's been the key to that staff's success?
1: Some of it, I mean, obviously some of it is talent and who they have. Logan Gilbert has taken a huge step forward off of what was a really good rookie campaign last year. George Kirby has come up and only had a couple of bumps in the road and bounced back after those. And Robbie Ray did not get off to the start that they wanted him to. He on the fly added a two-seamer. And the next thing you know, is saw young Robbie again and has been for the last four or five outings. But I think that if you want to look at something that the Mariners do, they're a very analytical based organization and they are big believers in the counts, the OO, the O1, the 1-1 counts, that the pitchers have got to win those counts. And I think that if you look at them all, all the way from the starting rotation to the, the back end of the bullpen, that's what they're trying to do. There's been buy-in, and for some of them, it's taken a little bit longer. Robbie Ray came from a different organization. He had his way of doing things. He didn't even want to use pitch He didn't use pitch comp <laughs> first the game, you know? So, But he said it had to be organic, and as a rotation, we got there after about the first month, and we're seeing the bullpen pick up with it as well.
0: So – Let me go back. You said Robbie Ray, who's coming off a Cy Young year, on the fly added a two-seamer. I didn't know about that. Talk about that for a second.
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, he (laughs) did not at all get off to the start that anybody thought he would get. He was getting hit. And, you know, velocity was down a little bit, but just in general, getting hit. And there was an outing, I want to say it might have been against the Astros, I cannot remember exactly when it was, where it was the second inning and he was about ready to be out of that ball game. And scout service grabbed him in the tunnel and said, you got to do something here. You got to do something different. And Ray on the fly came up with a two seamer. He's a four seam. Um, he is a four seam and <laughs> slider pitcher. That is his bread and butter. Did not have a two seamer and added it on the fly. And so we're like, OK, he gets through that out and gets it to the bullpen. And you think that, well, everybody's seen this now. This is not going to fly. It's turned out that pitch flies, and it is now his main pitch. Wow. He's pitching off of the two-seamer now instead of the four-seamer. And what it's done is it's opened up the plate. He used to be more up and down. Now he's got the outside of the plate. It's given him options. He's veteran enough not, not to know what to do with those options, and he's looking like he did last year now. With he, another pitch,
0: I mean, he looks fantastic. Coming off an outing of 11 strikeouts and pitching again this weekend in a big series, uh, wow, that that's really cool. Another starter I want to talk about, and I actually had him on the show earlier this year, Logan Gilbert. So I don't want to ask you a ton about his pitching and how he's taken that next step this year because I already I asked him that. But what I do want to ask you is probably something more important, and we learned a lot about his alter ego, Walter. Have you? experienced Walter
1: only from afar. Well, maybe I, I do travel with the team, so I'm allowed to ride the bus to the stadium. So I have seen him on the bus on the way to the stadium. And you do hear uh, some of his teammates, say, stay away from Walter. And in some ways they're joking, but they also know <laughs> he's very serious About it. And I think that he has started to lighten up a little bit. It used to be last year he would be like that when we would get to the clubhouse after a game, even a win, and still be in that mode. Now that's pretty much gone afterwards. So Walter is still here, but uh, very much under control right now.
0: (laughs) So this team had all the aspirations in the world to start the season. They were fantastic. They they made a bunch of moves. Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez, Adam Frazier, Robbie Ray. I mean, this team that was already really good last year added and looked to be the real deal this year. And it's it's no secret. This season didn't get started off the way they wanted, and it hasn't been going the way they wanted until the last few weeks. Now they've been playing like one of the best teams in baseball in that stretch. So, I, I want to ask you this. We're we're about a month away from the trade deadline. You have the team playing better now. You have guys that are going to be coming back from injury and coming back from suspensions. Does this team do anything at the trade deadline, or do they say, we now have the team that we wanted. We're good with this.
1: I think that's where it becomes complicated. Now, first of all, do they do something? Yes, Jerry Depoto is the general manager. That's what Jerry DePoto does. <laughs> And it may very well be for the future and not just for this year, although that will be the focus. I think you can look to second base. That's an area where, I mean, Adam Frazier, he just has not found it this year offensively. And the defense has been shaky too, where, you know, unless something changes drastically, it would be an upgrade, even if you got a defense first second baseman who wasn't going to contribute that much offensively. Uh, There's some thought I I saw this kind of ask earlier today. I haven't given it a ton of thought, but if Carlos Santana, uh, proves to still have something. And so far, you're seeing those at-bats that you know about him. He is going to work a pitcher. He's going to get his walks, make it tough. He's played good defense at first base. A Ty France is gold glove potential at first base. Let's you know, let's not forget that. But Ty France, could you put him on second base and open up that DH spot a little bit more if Kyle Lewis is healthy and Mitch Haniger is back and you're getting into that kind of crunch? I don't know. But I would be surprised if they didn't try to add something offensively and perhaps even with the pitching, you mentioned what they've done all year. They've gone through once Matt Brash after five starts was sent back to the minors. And by the way, he's working his way at the back of the bullpen stuff right now. And, and he could be brought on board as well. They've had the same five guys. And what is the realistic you know, possibility of getting through a whole season and a postseason with the same five guys? I think maybe right. you look at the starting pitching of all things, too.
0: Good point. So let me read you this quote I just recently saw from Jerry DePoto. He said, The biggest impact that will happen for us between now and the trade deadline is getting Ty France back, Mitch Hanniger back, and Kyle Lewis back. Does that mean they aren't adding? I mean, he made it seem like that's going to be the biggest difference between now and then. But like you said, we know Jerry DePoto. We know what he's done. He makes trades. Do you do you think something <laughs> outside of those three coming back will be done?
1: I do. You know, we've been here so many times, and it's always – if you know the Mariners, you know that on any given night, over the last five, six, seven years, there's a good chance there's an infielder on the outfield. And and even going into this year, you were, how are you going to get all of them out there? Well, Jared Kelnick wasn't what Jared Kelnick – he wasn't ready. you know And and so he hasn't been a part of this. And all of a sudden, Mitch Hanniger is out early, and the next thing you know – uh, Ty France and Sam Haggerty are in the outfield. Its it, you know, you're seeing Adam Frazier in the outfield. And here we go again. So <laughs> I, to look at it right now uh, on, you know, July sixth and say that this is going to be what it is at the deadline, I would be very surprised. I would think that they will probably need something.
0: Where does the organization stand with a guy like Kelnick, who has all the talent in the world, seemingly, and he's been been brought up, didn't go well, given another chance, didn't go well. You say he's he's not ready. Where does the organization stand with him in that process of him hopefully making a difference for the Seattle Mariners one day?
1: I think in a really good place. I mean, you have to remember that Jared Kelnick was a high scorer and a young high scorer <laughs> at that. And I mean, it really helped when we saw Cal Raleigh come up. And it really, yeah, know, he, he also was by all intents and purposes a rookie. He's not technically a rookie, but he barely played last year. And the difference between Cal Raleigh getting set back and coming back and making the adjustments and taking off is Cal Raleigh had years in the minor leagues. He had years in college. Jared Kelnick has none of that. He has very little experience above high school. And they are in a good place right now where they have made the commitment. You know, they could have brought him up when Taylor Trammell went down. They didn't. They left him down there. And they've made that commitment that he's going to get all of that right now. And it's not a matter of just, you know, how many home runs is he hitting? What kind of numbers is he putting up? You know, does he have a two strike approach? What is he doing in this situation? Is he, you know, what's his demeanor at the plate? How is he day in and day out? They don't want to have to send him down again. And they're in a spot where I think they can afford to give him that time. And I think they have to give him that time.
0: I agree. Good. I I hope, I mean, he's, he has, all the tools he I believe he's going to be a stud at the big league level getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now you can save $20 on the steel ms-162 or ms-170 chainsaw real steel Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And speaking of studs at the big league level, I have to ask you I'm wearing his shirt. I got to ask you about Julio Rodriguez. I mean, I feel like people are starting to understand what we're watching. This is special, what we're seeing. But inside, where where you are, spending time with him, being in the dugout, like what is the perception of Julio Rodriguez and how good he has been as a rookie and doing things that haven't been done since Mike Trout and that have only been done by Barry Bonds before?
1: He's a real deal. And I say that coming, I what, had three spring trainings with him before this year. Mm-hmm. And he was so impressive in each and every one. He checks all the boxes, not just what he does on the field, but off the field as well. Being able to manage the media requests, being able to manage the marketing end of it. That is such a big part of it right now. Being a teammate, uh, being a rookie teammate uh, as well. Um, he is doing everything right. And to watch him come into this season and have a hard time. He had you know, just some horrendous calls. And, and strikeouts that he should not have had, but not to get out of his approach and, and to stick with it. And uh, lo and behold, after what, he didn't hit a home run in his first month. What were the odds with all the acclaim that he had as a rookie that Julio Rodriguez, somebody who hit the ball harder than anybody in the organization the last two years, was going to come up and not hit a home run in the first month? And then he took off after that and has hit 15 cents, you know, after once May 1st started. Um, I, I think, and he's just growing. I think that he has got a good head on his shoulders. He knows who he is as a person. He knows who he is as a hitter. He absolutely surprised everyone being able to play center. That was his plan, not theirs. Uh, He told me at the end of last year, it was funny. I'd seen that he had played a couple of games when he got back from the Olympics. I was looking at box scores and all of a sudden he's in center field. (laughs) He was in center field maybe eight to ten times at the end of last year. And I asked, you know, what's this? Are they doing this? What what, what are you doing in center field? And he looked at me and he looked me dead in the eye and said, "I'm telling you this first. Big scoop from the not yet rookie. (laughs) It's going to be amazing." (laughs) And you know that confidence that he had that he was going to go play center field. Um, and then, of course, he improved his speed over the offseason, came back, sold more bases, was a better base runner than anybody expected he could be, especially at his size. It, he has been absolutely amazing.
0: Unbelievable. What a what a talent. He's on pace as a rookie to go 30-30. Let me put you on the spot here. Now, there's only I'm saying on the spot because there's only been four players in history that have ever done this. Does Julio Rodriguez become one of those players to go 40-40 at some point in his career?
1: Oh, at some point. Yeah, this year I'm like, taking April off, that's not going to happen. Yeah,
0: not this year.
1: You know, I think it's going to be tough because at some point he's not going to – I don't know that he's going to have that speed for that long. I I think that is going to be kind of the factor in that. If he does it in the next few years – Um, Yes. The other thing, though, is, is that anything you put in front of him or more specifically, if you tell him you can't do something, (laughs) he's going to go out and do it. So I have no doubt that he's seen that, that that carrot is there. Um, It's such a hard thing to do. Uh, So on the spot. I'm going to be a homer and say yes, but, you know, intellectually, I'm, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, you know, I I am not the Homer you are, and I would still say yes at this point, and I hope it happens. Uh, so I had Ty France on this show earlier this year, and I asked him a question, and his response was about Julio Rodriguez. I asked him about Julio Rodriguez, and you said he said you can come up here and be his babysitter. He said with a smile on his face, it was all joking, and we all know he's like the he's he's a baby. He is a baby. What was to that comment? You can come up here and be a babysitter. Are there some moments of just jokes and immaturity up there in the big leagues?
1: Not really from Julio. I'm not saying he's all serious. He's definitely very Mm lighthearted. Finds joy in the game. That reminds us of Griffey. You know that that's who we see the way that he approaches. The game but that that's more about Ty and and that's a neat thing about (laughs) Ty Prince right there that as young as he is he's taken on a leadership role in that clubhouse and he is the guy that is going to keep it light and have um you know he'll he'll get on guys but in a very cheerful funny way and and it's that that was him that is something that he would have said to Julio in the clubhouse and I think he gave you a little bit of a look at that
0: (laughs) that's great I it sounds like there's a good atmosphere up there um last thing on Julio I mean this guy appears to be a, a future, uh, hopefully, all star this year. I think he should be, but a perennial all star and and a, I mean, he's got all the tools to be great. Are we talking? And, and I want to. I guess this is again putting you on the spot. But could we be talking like a King Griffey Jr. type legacy in Seattle at some point? Is that how good he is?
1: It's funny because about a week ago, and I try and be as pragmatic about things as I can, and and I said this on the air, I've got to temper my tempering when it comes to Julio Rodriguez, because you find, well, that's outrageous to to compare him to Griffey. That's outrageous Mm -hmm. to say that he could be the next Griffey, but it's not outrageous to say that he could be the next big thing in baseball. So Mm -hmm. if he could be the next big thing in baseball, why couldn't he be the next grippy in terms of you know the overall appeal and, and being like the number one Seattle superstar, and having the numbers to put up with it, it's it's hard when you look at that because you're looking at an entirety of a career versus the first three months of another. But as you pointed out a little bit earlier, his numbers are stacking up. He is the fastest to 15 home runs and 20 stolen bases. He does a lot of the things that. Griffey did. And I think he is still, and this is kind of, uh, you know, be warned, growing into his power. I think we are going to see more of that. So along those lines, if he stays healthy from everything that we know about him and it's seen behind the scenes, uh, it would appear that he could be on that kind of track. Everything that you're seeing is real. It's not by chance. It's very smart in what he does. He's got a great approach at the plate he's able to we're seeing him make in in at bat not just in at bat but adjusting on pitches as well right now and it's an incredibly mature approach that he has and what he does at the plate so along those lines um you know it's hard it's still hard for me to say that because we're talking (laughs) about grippy but i think the best answer to that at this point would be why not
0: all right so quote shannon dreyer Julio, oh, Roder- no, no. <laughs> Julio Rodriguez is better than King Griffey Jr. already. No, 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 just- <laughs> way too
1: soon. Way too soon. I um, really do that. <laughs> so
0: with this with this Mariners team, that um, let's say they don't make the playoffs, and I hope they do because I predicted it at the beginning of the year. I predicted the playoff drought comes to an end. They're about four games out of a wild card spot right now. But let's say they don't make the playoffs. Is our our Scott Service or Jerry Depoto or both? On the hot seat here?
1: I don't think so. I, I think that I know to date it appears that ownership and Jerry DePoto have been on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know, this is their guy and they've supported him. Um, and Scott Service has been Jerry DePoto's guy since day one. And I think that if you look at the challenges, and let's remember, Scott Service was a manager of the year runner up last year. And I think he's had even bigger challenges this year because there are expectations to get to the postseason and you've lost half of your offense. And now we're starting to see that offense take steps forward and, and to do it with the Dylan Moores and the Sam Haggerty's yeah. and Abraham Coros and not the Mitch Hanikers and Kyle Lewis's and, and players that you expect to, and Jared Kelnick's not taking that step. Um, I, I think that, yeah, He should be in, in especially with the turn that they have taken in the last 10 days. I think that he should be okay. And all of that said, postseason, are, that is the ex- expectations this year. Yeah. And that yeah. is the expectation that was set when they did the step back or the rebuild after the 2018 season. You know, they were hoping it would be a year sooner, but I can't fault them when you've lost an entire year in the minors and played a two-month True. season. True, good point. COVID. So you got to push it out one year, but we're there. This is the year... They were expected to contend. There are no guarantees. There's been an extra wild card that's been added since then. So I think it's very important. I think that's a very fair expectation that they make the postseason, even though they've had the hurdles that they have had and kind of the obstacles this season.
0: Yep. So last one for you. We just talked about it. The expectations are there. They haven't started off this year great, but now they're playing better. They're four games out of a wild card spot behind the Toronto Blue Jays. Now comes this weekend, four games against the Toronto Blue Jays. What does this weekend mean to the team, to the city? Are the fans going to pack in? How excited are you for this weekend?
1: Should be a lot of fun. And this is a, this is a rivalry game. It's we are very close to Canada and the Toronto Blue Jays, even though they're on the other side of Canada, they are the national team and Blue Jays fans traditionally have come down in force to the point where it's almost sounded like an away game for the Mariners in that series. So you are hoping that they turn out and support the Mariners because that's not something that they have had in this series Uh, for some time so along those lines i I think it's very important obviously for tiebreaker implications it's very important because toronto is going to be you know fighting for a spot as well so along those lines absolutely huge i think it's very important also the mariners have struggled at home this year and they need to get their home footing they started to on the last home stand so you want to see them continue there and with players coming back and going into the break it would be great if you were at 500, over 500, just under 500. You don't want to fall any further back at this point. And I think the biggest thing is is you want that momentum that you seem to have generated with this 12-3 and run.
0: Man, it's going to be exciting. I have heard that the crowd is going to be packed. I'm hopeful the pan- the fans show up. We saw it for one series at the end of last year when the Mariners were right there. I'm hopeful we get that atmosphere again this weekend because it's special when that place is packed. It's You know, I have a lot of players on this show, and I always ask somebody their favorite stadium. And the the T-Mobile, the Mariners' home field, is one of the best by far that people say. So I'm excited to see that stadium packed this weekend, and I hope the fans show up for sure.
1: I hope they do this weekend and all through uh, September and hopefully October as well.
0: <laughs> That's true. Shannon, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. Been wanting to get you on the show, talk a little bit about Mariners and hear a little bit about Julio Rodriguez. So thank you so much for joining me and good luck to your team the rest of the way. I'll be following you as well.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Of course. Yeah. All right, I wanted to thank Shannon again for joining me. That was a lot of fun, a very good conversation. I'm excited to watch the Mariners down the stretch. At the beginning of the year, I predicted they ended the playoff drought. I didn't feel great about it a month ago. I still don't feel great about it, but I feel a little better than I did a month ago. So we shall see. This weekend will be a big series uh, to see where they're at. So thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. This has been another episode of Flippin' Bats. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast. Rate it five stars if you can. We're also on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at Flippin' Bats Pod. Also on YouTube as well. You can watch every episode there, Flippin' Bats Pod as well. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you next time on Flippin' Bats. Peace.